0: Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. We've got a great guest today. I'm excited to get into the conversation with him here in just a sec. But uh, first, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021, make sure if you haven't already to experience Accelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrow engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing. And that's text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much, much more. And as we always say, make sure to uh, hit the uh, follow button on Josh Friend on LinkedIn. Great content there. He's always uh, he's always active on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of great uh, stuff he's putting out there. And if you want to schedule a personal demo for Incelerate, uh, make sure and go to Incelerate.com and you can do that there. All right, let's jump into the conversation. I'm excited to welcome in our guest today. We're talking about uh, our monthly theme this month, I should uh, point out. We're gonna be talking about secondary capital markets issues all this month. And so I'm excited to welcome in today's guest, Jim Glennon. Jim is the director of secondary services in the secondary marketing technologies group at uh, Black Knight. So Jim, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Dustin. Thanks everybody for for watching. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, Jim's an old friend of the association. He's been one of our speakers at the Secondary Market uh, Conference for years and years. If you've attended that in San Francisco this year, it's going to actually be in Dana Point, and uh, it should be a, a fantastic event. Just a little, a little plug there for a second. Uh, a registration for the Western Secondary opens up on June 15th, so if you've been uh, uh, itching to get back in person and shake some hands and see some folks at the Western Secondary. Uh, you can register on June fifteenth for this year's conference, which will be August twenty fourth through the twenty sixth in Dana Point at our new location at the Waldorf Astoria Monarch Beach Resort. There. So Jim, let's uh, let's start with you with your uh, your background. There, tell us a little bit uh, for those that don't know you. Um, tell us about yourself, how you got involved in the industry, and and what's led you to your your position there at Black Knight.
1: Yeah, so like most people uh, in this industry, I'm. Uh, I didn't plan to be here. I, I didn't go to school for this. I'm, you know, I'm also not a masochist, uh, but but here I am, right? So I, I started, um, you know, looking for a job out of school uh, back in the early 2000s when we were fresh off the dot-com bubble and 9/11, and you know, kind of a tough environment to get a job. And answered an ad for a loan officer position. I didn't really exactly know what that meant, uh, but the uh, you know the HR person gave me a call and said, you know, our secondary. Uh, head of secondary thinks you'd be uh, you'd make a good fit for the lock desk i said great i have no idea what that is and, and, and she didn't either uh, but uh, i interviewed for that and that's how i got into the industry from there i've worked uh, at a couple local mortgage banks here in denver over the years um, neither of them exist anymore uh, as is the deal you know with those of us that made it through you know, 07 and 08 uh, we kept my head down during that time, like a lot of us, and just, just kept working and stayed in the industry. You know, it, it certainly contracted at that point, but once you get through that, I feel like we all need to stick around and, and see how things are really going to pan out. Uh, yeah. So um, I knew Don Brown very well early on in my career when he was with Flatirons, um, and he founded Secondary Interactive. A, a lot of you may be familiar with that, um, that hedge firm that then became OB, Optimal Blue Secondary Services. And then, um, and then now we're with Black Knight, but Don hired me in 2012 um, and we built, you know, since then we built an amazing team here in Denver. Uh, I think when I started, there was about six of us on the desk and now we're close to 30. Uh, and then now we've, you know, we've combined with Compass Analytics as well under the Black Knight umbrella and really, you know, building and we've already uh, assembled the largest, uh, you know, hedge firm in the industry.
0: That's got to be a huge transition going from. I mean, in a you know pretty short amount of time, going from you know six people in an office to now you're you know part of a a huge company that's got you know their fingers in you know many different aspects of the loan life cycle. And I mean, you're still there. You've probably you know you've got uh, some you know old time uh, some old uh, OB folks in there, but uh, you're now combining with like you said with the Compass folks and Black Knight folks. What's that been like, just transition-wise for you?
1: I mean. You know, it took years just to learn all the products that Optimal Blue had, um, you know, from 2012 on, and and uh, and we were we were acquired in September of last year, so it's still drinking from the fire hose, right? We've had some some uh, you know webinars over time where we've learned about Empower and all the other different uh, products that that we offer, and I, I still have no you know very just the cursory understanding of even what the you know which parts of the industry we're in, uh, but it's been fun, it's certainly been. Great to meet new coworkers, especially the Compass folks, right? We 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 speak the same languages as each other, and we know a lot of the same people, and we encounter a lot of the same personalities and and opportunities and and fun stuff, but also the the same challenges. So that's been that's been great, just to to get to know who was you know previously one of our biggest competitors. uh, Just getting to know them, uh, and hopefully soon in person, getting to know them personally. uh, It's been really great to to um, you know to compare stories. And get to know each other
0: yeah yeah this is kind of like if I'm using the baseball analogy This is kind of you know Dodgers Giants you guys suddenly are you know on the same team and shaking hands and and uh, you know <laughs> the ice is the ice is melted huh
1: absolutely absolutely
0: so I mean this may answer this uh, you may have already answered my next question here but uh, I mean this last year has obviously been you know to say the least a challenging year for for many folks uh, for every everybody, I, I should say, but you know certainly you guys have had not only the the challenge of COVID, but as you pointed out, the challenge of the the merger and the, uh, uh, the transition you guys are going through. So what's been what's been maybe the biggest lesson you've learned in the last year?
1: I mean probably a couple of big ones, right? I mean one is you have to be ready for anything. You know last last year was certainly a great example of that. Uh, just in in this you know just speaking in terms of secondary marketing in the mortgage industry. Um, I mean, nobody saw the pandemic coming, I don't think, at least not how it was going to affect the mortgage industry. Uh, So understanding, you know, making sure you have all your executions, just a plethora of executions open to you. Uh, Broker dealers, making sure you've got, you know, a lot of liquidity there, uh, being ready to scale, uh, making sure that your technology and your operations are ready for an onslaught of of volatility, for an onslaught of, of volume, you know, to be able to triple volume. Almost overnight, uh, but I also learned, you know, personally and, and just you know from the team and everybody within Optimal Blue and all of our customers that y- you can you can get through anything, right? You can adjust, you can adapt, and we were probably as an industry in a pretty good position to do that, um, whether it's through technology or just you know having been through 07 and 08 and just being kind of like emotionally ready for for another 10-year roller coaster. Uh, right. So, yeah I think those are the big things. It's just you have to be ready and then you have to adapt but then we did you know hopefully are through it at this point, but you know transitioning to working from home, all of our clients trying to do the same, uh, working through the the market catastrophe um and then uh, you know kind of then riding the wave of you know triple volume
0: yeah. So do you think that uh i mean looking back is there something i'm sure there are uh, there are many things that uh, you know companies you know could have could have would have should have done differently but uh you know let's assume in a in a uh, an alternate universe we have to go through this again you know in five years you know, what do you say what would you say as far as you know the lessons you've learned of last year what how would that apply if we had to go through a similar you know uh Maybe not a pandemic, but a similar, you know, shock to the system and kind of things kind of shut down for a year. I mean, what what changes would we uh, what would we do differently?
1: That's a good question. You know, even in hindsight, there 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 are a lot of there were a lot of different strategies that people took on, and there were some that worked, and there were some that that didn't work as well. You know, everybody made it through somehow through the margin calls, through the you know through the volume onslaught, uh, through some of the dislocation and mortgage pricing versus the the MBS market, um, the most successful ones just kind of kept their foot on the gas. You know, even as things were, you know, we kind of had an existential crisis there for, for a good month, right? Where there we, we had, uh, you know, mortgage banks in the industry that were talking about whether they should even be originating mortgages. And that was a real question. And there were investors that were uh, potentially not going to buy loans. And there were certain types of loans that disappeared overnight and co-issue buyers that got out of the business. Um, but it was the the mortgage lenders that literally just kept the foot on the gas. Keep bringing loans in the door. Make sure you're, mon- you're monitoring and managing your price to what's going on in the market. Um, you know, everybody took a, a little bit of a financial hit in uh, March and April. But then, you know, starting in the summer, they saw record gains, record volume, um, and just, you know, kept a close eye on things like data. You know, what is what exactly is the market doing that, that people aren't coming out and saying, right? What is the data telling us? So I think you know if we had to do it again, uh, you know, looking at the data sooner, looking at more of it. But it's a lot of things we do anyway, and and you don't know where the next catastrophe is going to come from. So you may not, you know, you basically have to be looking at all of it.
0: Right, right. And I think you mentioned the uh, the barging calls. I think that's something from a an association or, or policy perspective. I mean, that I think it would have helped to have alerted uh, uh, policymakers sooner how big of an issue that was going to be and how you know quickly they needed to step in and, you know, ensure that we didn't have, you know, the catastrophe we almost had, as bad as things were. I mean, I'm sure it could have been a lot worse, you know, in March, April.
1: Yeah, it was right on time. From what I recall, it was, I believe it was a Monday when the the, the Fed buying finally slowed down. Um, and the word was that the NBA finally, you know, they got word up to the Fed that um, you guys need to slow down. Like, I don't think the Fed fully, they had a sledgehammer out and they were they were beating doors in and they didn't have a full understanding of what they were doing to the, to the you know to the average mortgage banker so that was a you know invaluable voice that we had that otherwise would have come way later right yeah. the, the fed would have caught word months later that a record number of of mortgage banks went under in in, the, in 60 days you know but rather it was a instead it was a 5 day run up and then the screaming made its way up the chain and you know looking back on it, it is probably pretty efficient uh, that it happened in 5 days but sure if we had to do it again on day two we probably would have said uncle you know yeah
0: absolutely so as we you know as this year you know goes on here in 2021 it seems like uh where your the uh, refi boom is certainly you know either starting to wane or in some cases are is already on on the uh the wane and starting to head into the uh um background the background um and we're moving back into a purchase focused market for sure at some point here this year and next. Um, so, what should lenders, as that transition happens, what should lenders keep in mind from your perspective?
1: I mean, you got to dust off a playbook, right? We've been through this this market, uh, we've been through this business cycle before. Um, you know, getting back into the purchase market, you got to, you know, uh, take a look at your realtor connections, your builder connections. Um, you know, get back into those purchase leads. Just make sure that you have some purchase business and start to try to grow that right you know the, the refi business is almost certainly going to shrink unless rates go quite a bit lower maybe even lower than they were last year you know almost everybody is refied by now uh, and if rates go up a little bit that's going to slow down the few you know stragglers that are hanging out out there so uh there's that and then i think just getting creative on product right the fish have been jumping into the boat so to speak for the last year and a half so conventional on government right is a pretty easy business to do when things are good but you you know i think we'll start seeing more jumbo we'll start seeing more non-qm non-conforming uh you know things like that just to, to supplement some of that that business and even maybe bring in some higher margins on s- some things that will be a little bit more creative
0: yeah so to that end what's what does the the jumbo and the Q, non-qm uh, market look like a year from now
1: bigger <laughs> certainly bigger you know I, I think um you know again lenders will have to get creative and so will investors you know it, There's certainly a decent amount of investors out there still that have, you know, either survived or popped up since the pandemic uh, first hit. Um, And we've seen more private money come into the market, even just with some of the PSPA stuff, right? The non-owner occupied loans being pushed back on by the agencies. You know, the agencies are generally, by way of the Treasury, pushing back on certain types of loan scenarios. We're going to have the QM patch finally. Expire, so there's just there's this sort of you know this sort of artificial influence there that's going to push more into the you know private securitization market. But I think with volume drying up, we're also going to see just uh, an opportunity there for buyers and securitizers to come in and and develop new products and grow okay. what they're already doing.
0: Right? Do you think that we're going to see more? more uh individual players join the market or is it just going to be a matter of the existing players you know uh, further concentrating their power and and uh expanding their own
1: uh, volume i had to guess i'd say both you know, I, I think it's probably going to be difficult uh for all of the existing buyers to grow enough to take up you know if the volume shows up i suppose but if it, you know if you look back to like 2000 11, 12, 13, 14. We went from, even on the agency side, like five investors to 40. You know, this may be that opportunity to do that as the agencies or, you know, the government tries to to shrink the, the amount of volume that the agencies are responsible for. It seems like there's this enormous opportunity uh, for private money to come in. And I think we the mortgage industry weathered this last crisis a lot better than 07. So there isn't this, uh, this stigma attached to mortgages where folks just don't want to, like who wants to, you know, back then, who wants to start a, a non-QM business? Who wants to start a mortgage business that isn't guaranteed, at least implicitly, by the government? But now, you know, maybe maybe we've gone long enough where that, that amnesia has set in, you know, and we're willing to take that chance. All right.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, you know going at, moving out to maybe a more uh, macro view here what's uh you know from your perspective what's the latest uh from the fed what should we be keeping our eyes on uh, i know there's some uh inflation uh issues that we're seeing in headlines right now and maybe we'll get to that here in a second but uh you know what
1: what are you keeping your eye on right now I mean, it's the fed it's always been keep your eye on the fed right i think right now and always you know for the last 10 15 years the fed knows that all eyes are on them they know that any sudden moves are a potential problem uh, for the market or, or could create undue volatility. So, that you know, they're going to keep their eyes on the dual mandate, right? Watch unemployment, watch uh, inflation. Right now, unemployment's you know, employment's, employment is running a little bit slow, right? We're kind of missing numbers. There's a ton of job openings out there, but we're not seeing those jobs get filled. So, I think that'll happen over time. I think people are probably just, you uh, being a little more selective about the jobs that they take now that they're re-entering the world from, you know, from the pandemic and maybe looking to looking to change things up. So, that, you know, that'll take hold. And then inflation's the other piece, right? Which we're seeing, you know, some heightened inflation numbers, but the fed right now believes that that's a, that, that, that is transient, right? It's temporary that that's mostly due to supply issues because of the pandemic um, and the fact that everybody's now coming out, of their houses into the world and then going on vacation and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the Fed, you know, currently believes that, uh, you know, the, the the inflation numbers we're seeing right now and the inflation numbers we might see even the remainder of this year, um, you know, that inflation pressure is probably transient, probably temporary. You know, there's still supply issues due to the pandemic. And at the same time, you've got the world opening up. So you've got folks coming out with a lot more demand to go on vacation or to go out to restaurants and to buy things. Uh, so there's this, this blip in prices. Um, but the Fed is basically kind of standing, you know, holding position on that right now, and, and saying this looks transient. We're not going to act early, and I think the Fed has learned from history that that acting too soon uh, to make moves to to slow down inflation can be dangerous. Right there, there's if you look at the uh, European Central Bank in uh, 2010, coming out of the Great Recession, uh, they may have moved a little bit too quickly to preemptively. Uh, stave off inflation and that led to some some economic problems or led to kind of a double dip and contributed to some of the defaults in in like Greece and and Italy and some of those debt problems uh, because they raised rates too soon so I think I think the Fed's going to look at things like that and really going to wait to see major sustained uh, inflation before they make any moves Uh, so we're not expecting uh, we like the economic consensus is that you probably won't see rates go up till 2023 Ish. Do, you think,
0: do you think that the uh, how long uh, do you think that uh, maybe not the Fed, but how long does Jim Glennon uh, look at at the situation right now? And I mean that you we you mentioned you know that uh, inflation may be a transitory thing or, or a temporary thing. How long does that go on before you think okay maybe this is not necessarily uh, temporary? Is that like three months or six months? Or
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it, it's it, it's probably. In the details somewhere you know where is the inflation coming from what what part of the in, you know what what industries are driving it um is it making its way into wages as well you know kind of a, a full picture of inflation uh, you know that, that's a very difficult balancing act that the fed's going to have to deal with here over the coming months and years uh, as it relates to whether or not they want to raise rates or, you know, the other thing we need to be looking really closely at and be careful about is, is the, you know, the asset purchases when does it, when does the fed start talking about tapering? You know, there's been whispers of it in the previous meeting. I said, I think they said they basically wanted to talk about it in a future meeting. Right. But that means we all know it's coming, but as soon as the, you know, the word taper um, or, or a similar a synonym comes out of somebody's mouth, that's, you know, that's when we'll start seeing issues with mortgage rates. Gotcha.
0: So then, you know, if uh, the Fed's going to hold, as you said, a whole position for now and sort of uh, wait and see, how does that change or should that change strategies and outlook for uh, for lenders?
1: You know, I mean, the Fed hasn't flinched yet. Um, And again, the Fed has learned from history that they they realize their influence. I think there's going to be a lot of care taken not to create any undue uh, volatility. But we will see it here and there, right We saw some volatility back in early March uh, when the the market sold off on some inflation and some you know some words from the Fed. Um, I think you know the strategy almost needs it's I mean, you need to be consistent right I mean keeping a neutral position if you're you know when you're hedging and when you're managing secondary marketing department is always going to be an overarching theme right Just just keeping your position uh, safe. Right, I think during the pandemic we we definitely saw some uh, some mortgage banks take positions to the long side, right? Just assuming that the Fed was going to be in in it for 12 to 18 months, and that turned out to be true, right? So it wasn't as the risk to the downside was smaller. But I think at this point the risks are probably about equal, upside downside. Maybe a little a little more risk to the downside, meaning rates should go up in the next 12 months, right? So a, a long position would not be uh, advisable, but otherwise, it's you know, volume is the big thing to 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 try to be ready for as best you can. No matter what happens, we're almost certainly due for a continued contraction in the in the market. So anything you can do to prepare for that, you know, technology-wise, scalability-wise, uh, and then and just product and and where your leads come from is going to be important as well.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. So if, you, if we're looking at, uh, I think this is, a, I'm, I'm really curious to find your uh, find out what you think about this. So, I mean, everyone's looking, you know, when you pick up the, well, no one's picking up a newspaper, when you <laughs> click on whatever your, your favorite uh, news site is, you know, you're, everyone's watching rates, everyone's watching unemployment figures or GDP. What is, from your perspective, what's the most underappreciated stat that lenders should be paying more attention to than maybe they do?
1: You know, I think it's as far as lenders i think it has to be a little more specialized right i think you know the old school view was was watch the economic data you know certainly keep an eye on the fed uh, but i think now there's so much readily available data um on our industry that that's the kind of thing we need to be paying as close attention to as possible right and again a lot of this the, the theme is competition is going to pick up volume is probably going to be down or at least be stagnant uh, just you know, understanding as a lender what your market position is, right, versus your competitors. Uh, keeping an eye on your uh, on your profit margins, uh, and maybe even more important, your concessions, right? We we start getting into a, a, a zone now where for the last 18 months it's been pretty easy to bring in margin. You know, concessions to pricing have been relatively low or rel- sometimes non-existent. Again, you know, fish jumping into the boat, but if, if mar you know, if we see volume cut in half by, you know, later this year, early next year. It's really just making sure that you're still, you know, making enough margin per loan, uh you know, to keep the operation profitable. Uh, and then, um you know, things like free extensions and, and just generally the, the things that happen during the really fast times uh, that you'll need to put, you know, take a wrench to during the, when things get a little tighter and things get a lot more competitive.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. So let's uh, switch gears here for for a minute. Here, we've only got uh, time for maybe one or two more questions here. But uh, uh, I'm curious. I mean, you've I think this is you know right up your alley here. I mean, you've been sort of right at the heart of uh, the industry's uh, uh, movement towards increasing technology usage in secondary market uh, uh, operations in particular. So you know, what how is technology changing that uh, those strategies, and maybe what's the 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 biggest driver of change in that uh, in that
1: realm. I mean it it's you know data and integrations are two of the big things that I think are, are really driving a lot of the changes you know over the past few years they're going to continue to make companies more scalable, uh, make companies more competitive, uh just give lenders more visibility into their market where they're lending, um just be being able to organize their operation better. Uh you know, pre, Relative to what we were just talking about, you know, understanding the competition down to a granular level, understanding your, your profit margins versus your competition, um, then understanding market liquidity in terms of investors, right? What investor prices are out there? Where's Where's that liquidity? Um, you know, wh- what investors are positioned well on the market for the type of, of volume that you're doing? Um, and then, you know, when it comes time to sell loans, there certainly has been advances there over the past few years that made the last you know that made the pandemic a lot easier than it otherwise could have been you know you've got things like uh you know all the trading platforms that are out there for trading whole loans you know, if you go back 4 or 5 years we were trading loans over the phone or via email which given what's happened the past year and a half i don't know that that would be would be feasible with near the same amount of people right it probably would have taken a 3 scale increase in the amount of bodies that you throw it at the uh, uh, at, at trading, period. Um and then you have things like the, you know, the agencies have come out with, uh, you know, SMP for Fannie Mae and cash exchange for Freddie Mac. So just making co-issue a lot more streamlined and a lot simpler, you know, just the, the agencies and the investors have come out with a lot of technology that makes loan delivery a lot simpler, no matter how you execute. So that allows you to keep a very broad, stable buyers in the game, without having to spend a lot more time on any one of them, or without having to train people, or without having to to go through some of the headaches that it used to take to board a new a new investor.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I mean, if you're a lender, I have to imagine this has got to be helpful in the sense that you you know, as you point out, you can have you know fewer bodies working on this, and maybe more bodies you know on the uh, uh, origination side bringing in more business.
1: Absolutely, it's again the volume thing, right? As we slow down, you want to be able to do um you know s- smaller volume with the same amount of folks and have the technology do most of the heavy lifting and the next time we hit another you know another spike in volume we're we're, we're right there and maybe during that time we've we've tightened some things up and we've implemented some new technologies uh, and certainly the inter- industry will be more efficient uh, and investors will be more efficient at that time too
0: exactly yeah so Let's uh, let's close with this. I mean, you kind of uh, touched on it earlier when uh, we were talking about uh, the uh, margin call issue uh, last uh, March, April, and uh, I think it's it's important to touch on this here. So, why is it important for lenders and solution partners like uh, Black Knight and uh, to support the advocacy work of groups like the California MBA and the National
1: MBA, from your perspective? Sure. I mean, everybody needs a voice, right? I mean, the government can't possibly understand. Every industry and every business that's out there in detail, you know, there's probably almost zero that they do, um, and they have a very blunt instrument when they step in to try to try to affect change. So this last year has been a great example. We talked about the margin issues, right? If the if the MBAs had not stepped in to get word to the Fed, you know, if we had made it to Tuesday or Wednesday, I think we would have seen defaults, um, you know, down the spectrum. So mortgage lenders uh broker dealers and then you know from there you start having uh you know financial system risk that I don't think the Fed had any idea that they were that they had triggered but things were happening so quickly and the the all of the markets were crashing at that time if you recall, right? It was commodities, stocks and bonds uh were were, were being flushed down the toilet basically. And if you know the Fed came in and basically bought some treasuries but mostly MBS. Um so we were we were kind of just suddenly at the epicenter of, of the feds, uh, you know, moves to, to save the, the, save the financial system. And even, you know, uh, the adverse market fee, right. That was a disruption that, that came in late in the year last year and, and, um, you know, threatened to basically pull 50 basis points out of the pocket of every, every lender, uh, like at the time when volume was higher than it had ever been. And the NBA stepped up and, and got that pushed back. Uh, You know, three four months. So that was a big move there. And you know, rule forty two ten that's been the boogeyman out there for smaller uh, mortgage originators for the past four years just keeps getting kicked kicked down the road to the point now where I think it's palatable. And we've all, after going through the pandemic, it's it almost seems like nothing. But it it wasn't the right time four years ago, and the MBA listened and understood that. And um, so the the you know all the MBAs got together and got some of that stuff pushed down. And you know, I think still making some efforts with some of the PSPA. Uh, other PSPA items. uh, I don't know how many of those will, you know, I I think they're all being considered. I don't know what changes will happen there, but at the very least we have a voice at the table. We feel like we're, you know, as an industry we're listened to. Right.
0: No, I I couldn't agree more. Well, Hey, Jim, thanks for uh, joining us today on connect. Really great to uh, chat with you. And uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to be at the the Western secondary here in August in a few months. So if you want to uh, check in with Jim, You'll see him in person there in Dana Point at the Western Secondary in uh, in August.
1: Jim, thanks again. Thanks, thanks, Dustin. Thanks everybody. This was fun. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you enjoyed the conversation, make sure and subscribe to us here on our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and uh, then we'll be back again next Monday for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then.